Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hey, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Video Podcast. This is weird. <laughs> yes, so for the first time ever, we are actually streaming this live a week before it is going to hit the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. So we are live on One Stop Co-op Shop streamed. So if you'd prefer to watch us and see our beautiful faces, it's not going to be anything super exciting over here. I'll be honest. It's, uh, but but we are talking. You do get to see us. And I guess there's a couple of pretty graphics here. I, I did a little work, a little work, minimal here. I mean, we, we are ourselves pretty graphics are we not peter so you know that's that's all we need i mean honestly make sure you have extra reinforced glass on your monitor or whatever (laughs) so we don't break it (laughs) with our beautiful faces all right so mike what you been up to man playing a lot and trying to survive until spring break it's almost there for school but yeah i've been uh playing the great wall from waken realms they sent me a review copy of that because they're doing a new game found campaign i think like in early april so I've been playing that co-op in solo. Um, I'll have a playthrough and a review coming soon. But I'm, I'm mostly enjoying it. The rulebook was a little bit of a mess, but I think they're going to have a new, like, fully redone rulebook for the new campaign, so that'll be nice. How do you think it would play multiplayer? Oh, no, no, no. I've done multiplayer solo, but only two-player. The co-op, I, I think it's a game that I would rather play competitive. I think the worker placement is more interesting in competitive. Co-op I have a few issues with, so I'm not sure if it's a strong recommend for that, you know, for our channels, <laughs> main uh, viewers. It's what I'm interested that, in, for sure. Like, I definitely well, want to hey, look into it. You can it. borrow I, I, my copy whenever you want, man. Yeah, yeah, Well, you can borrow my copy to play competitively by yourself, is what I heard there. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll play co-op. Co-op is okay, and I think it'd be better with another person, so you don't have to be managing as much. Be sure. Yeah, and then uh, you and I have both been playing Tidal Blades 2. I have a video coming out. I guess it'll already be out by the time this is up on the podcast, but uh, it's coming Tuesday. And yeah, loving that one. Yeah, you're enjoying it too, right, Peter? Yeah, absolutely. Had so much fun. We actually streamed it with Jerry, who, by the way, is in the chat on the YouTube channel and says he wants to try The Great Wall. So we will definitely gotcha have to... Covered. Gotcha covered. <laughs> we'll definitely have to play that one. But no, Title Blades 2 is, I don't know, I could see it rising real quickly up my ranks of, of Dungeon Crawls. I've only played the first scenario, which is the intro scenario. You see our whole play of it live on the stream channel, but... I don't know, that game, the puzzly nature of it does something that like tickles my brain in a very, very satisfying way. Like I love how you're deciding where to put your cards and doing that with, you know, I love tactical movement puzzles. So like mm-hmm. the tactical movement of like trying to decide which cards to use and which combination and stuff like that. I don't know. It, it just does something that, that really makes me happy. And it's not as heavy, at least for me. Again, I think everybody's going to have different feelings about this, but it's it feels pretty light for what my brain likes to do. So, yeah, <laughs> which is good. When having played a bit more, I've been like able to play around with some of the cards you unlock for your characters. Yeah. And they're like really different and really fun. And the cool thing is you get these crazy powers. And unlike most games where you kind of get these kind of cards, you can use that card two or three times if you keep on activating it with different rows and columns, you know what I mean? Or even more than that, potentially. So, yeah, there's a lot of neat stuff there. And I think the campaign, I think, is like 20 scenarios. It's longer than we thought it was when we were talking about yesterday. So, yeah, I think I looked 21 or no, 20. I think you're right. Yeah, 20 or 21. And then I think like four replayable kind of one offs. So, by the way, yes. And then uh, last thing I've been playing uh, actually like four times this weekend, maybe or five uh, Sensibles of the Multiverse, the new definitive edition. 
I'm kickstarting the first expansion. Nice. Uh, I was going to, I was wondering about that. Yeah. They're, they're, they're seem to be coming with them pretty fast and all the previews I see like are making good corrections. We have my whole family, like uh, my six year old, even he, <laughs> it's hardest to get him to do stuff, but I just give him somebody easy, like raw. And he's like, I play this big fireball. Now I play that big fireball. Right. And that's, that's all he needs to enjoy himself. But Vanessa's really been into Tachyon, the like female flash character. Yep. She was um, one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so what? What everyone's doing is playing the same person. I'm the only one changing. So Harrison keeps on playing uh, Unity, who makes robot helpers, and I've been switching between a bunch of people. Like I just played a bunker in the last one against the matriarch, the like bird summoning. She was really tough. She was the toughest one we've done. But yeah, so I I like that game. The new edition is by far the best version they have of it. So I'm happy to own it for for people who played the old version and not the new one. I know we played it on the stream channel before. Yeah, we played the new one, but only like you know the basic stuff. Is it really a huge step up? Like, if I own the original one, but I'm like, I never get it out because it's a little bit fiddly. Should I invest no. in this new one? Will it fix? Abs- absolutely not. Okay. I wouldn't even recommend somebody who owns everything unless you just really have a lot of expendable income and it's like one of your favorite games, which I would say it is that for me okay. <laughs> at, least at this point. But no, no, I, I think I think it has mostly, it, it is way better. And the fiddliness is reduced. They very much have leaned away from effects happening outside of your turn. Okay. Except for like the most basic, like for one turn, you take minus one damage and they actually added like tokens and stuff to track that kind of stuff. So usually you only really have to look at your cards for the majority of stuff when it's your turn, which is certainly an improvement, but no, it's still the same game. If you had trouble like tracking all the effects or didn't want to like play a billion cards or deal with all the stuff or didn't like enemies taking away your stuff, all that still happens. Okay. Um, it's, it's less, it's better, but it, yeah, I would not say it's like suddenly people who hated the original are going to enjoy it. I don't think that's the case at all. All right, good to know. So I, I will want to play with you at some point because I do like the game, yeah. but not something I need to purchase for sure then for me. Yeah, at yeah. Least. well, I mean, especially with, <laughs> we, we say this a lot for anybody watching, uh, Peter and Jerry and I sometimes purchase games and we all have too many games where we should never feel like we need to play one. Yep. So we never need more than one copy because we can always just pass it around. Uh, by the way, for everybody watching, I don't think we ever said, Peter, what we were like doing for the topic, but uh, today's episode is we're going to review The Initiative, which is not from Fantasy Flight, but it's one of the former Corey Kaneska. reviewers. Yeah, I forget what like his new company's called that released it. Do you have the info pulled up? I do not. I have a picture on the <laughs> screen, but I can't zoom in enough to see what yeah, no, it says. But, uh, yeah, so it's a deduction uh, game like mixed with like a comic book, mixed with some like escape room kind of riddle stuff. We'll get to all that, and we're also going to talk about deduction games in general and kind of the design of deduction games because we've been playing a lot of them recently. Uh, should yeah. I thank some patrons, Peter? Yeah, go for it. All right, yeah, so uh, if you don't know, we have a Patreon, and we've added that this has been very popular. Uh, we're doing two to three exclusive videos every month. So at this point, it's been going for a while, so I think we have like nine or ten of them up there. I've done top ten lists. We've done like extra podcast episodes. We've done like all kinds of stuff. But yeah, so uh, if you uh, want to support us on Patreon, you help us pay for games, you help us go to cons, you help us pay for the channel and our software and all that kind of stuff and upgrades. Well, we've had so to really buy, I it. think almost everybody's had to buy a new computer at this point. Yes. Throughout the <laughs> well, course. With all like, the editing we're doing. To, to continue Absolutely. to do this, like either at some point our like software just gets out of, or not software, our hardware gets out of date as they keep adding new stuff. So yeah, we, we've definitely had some expenses over the last few years for sure. Yeah, so patrons, you are amazing. So just to thank a few by name, uh, we got Matthew Berger, John Flint, 
Greg Ratosh, and Nigel Gremlin6. Uh, oh, actually, let's do one more. Why not? John Thompson. So Matthew Berger, John Flint, Greg Ratosh, Nigel Gremlin6, John Thompson. Uh, thanks to the five of you. And uh, yeah, just uh, really happy and really glad people are enjoying this exclusive videos. And uh, yeah, if you can't support us, times are tough for a lot of people. Feel free to leave a review for the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel or the streaming channel. Uh, lots of ways to kind of get involved with us and yeah, show us your appreciation. Thumb up our stuff, leave reviews. We haven't asked for reviews for a while, so the podcast hasn't had a new review in a long time. But whatever you can do to support us, we appreciate any of it. By the way, Jerry jumped in with Save. It's Unexpected Games is the company for the initiative. And just a couple of things I've been playing recently. I've actually been playing stuff with my kids. I actually played Underwater Cities with Allison the other day. Nice. So that was fun. You know, I've never gone past the base game, and I own the expansion. So just because I wanted to get the double-layered boards, like, that's basically 90% of what the expansion is. But there's a lot of <laughs> cool stuff in there as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting deeper into that game. I always forget because it seems like such an overwhelming game when you first look at it, but it's really not. It's actually pretty straightforward. I actually pulled out Steam to play with her as well, and I realized right. Steam to me was more confusing like to get into <laughs> than Underwater Cities, even though I think Underwater Cities probably has many more rules. It's like the amount of thinking that is involved in each of those little micro-actions in Steam yes. is, is, is a lot more than uh, Underwater Cities, I feel like. so. Uh, well, Steam is one of those... like you know, really important efficiency things where you can kind of dig yourself into a hole or get in a bad place. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the other game I just pulled out recently is Ascension Tactics. Oh, yeah, yeah, So, haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I pulled it out, brought it out to the table. I realized you didn't get any of the miniatures with that one, which... Correct. They sent me the retail <laughs> edition. But hey, at least it means we can review the retail edition, honestly. Yes. And so we will probably be reviewing that pretty soon coming up as well but i got it out to the table and that one i'm i'm excited to get to the table that's for sure so i, I remember okay, one more i forgot to mention i don't think i've talked to you about this much peter but the co-op solo expansion for aries expedition a terraforming mars aries expedition yes uh, the crisis expansion it is fantastic i really? will never play any other version of the game again basically really okay <laughs> oh yeah it's awesome and, and it's now it's up to four player co-op instead of only two player co-op so you can play co-op at uh and maybe even five i don't know but yes, it is. It is fabulous. Like straight up. So better than terraforming Mars co-op, regular terraforming Mars, not Ares Expedition. Or have you not played regular it? terraforming Mars half co-op? Maybe it only had solo. Yeah, I thought I you were trying to like solo. fully terraform the planet, but I guess that's a solo game for regular terraforming. Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and that's how Ares Expedition solo works too. But yep. with the expansion, the world starts perfect. And it gets torn down by these random cards and you're trying to, and you have to do specific actions to get rid of the cards while also managing the damage. And before the game ends, you have to get the planet back to perfect. It's great. I mean, like just literally straight up. It's interesting. <laughs> like one of the best expansions I've played in a while. Because one of the games I really liked and you didn't like was in the Hall of the Mountain King. And yes. it had a similar tearing stuff down feel to it and you told me that was the part you didn't like about it so it's i mean i guess it's a good sign that aries expedition does it in a way that isn't frustrating i also like the core mechanics of aries expedition a lot more than in the hall of the mountain king okay <laughs> see i, I love helps. i love polyomino stuff and that that troll cascading thing was just great for me so i, yeah. I like in the hall of the mountain king a lot but, all right, well, uh, should we jump in? I guess we're both going to do a transition. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. We, we've double transitioned. You're, you're all the way transitioned now without us even having to say anything at all. So today we're going to do the initiative, which I guess I'll cover theme a little bit on it. Basically, you are a bunch of kids who found a board game. Was it called the initiative? 
No, it's called something else, and now I don't remember the name. But yeah, it's, it's not that meta, although it's pretty meta. <laughs> yeah, so, but it, there's a little comic book that kind of takes you through the story, and there's a lot of weird stuff going on. I'm not going to get into it, but basically they're playing this game that keeps them coming back over and over again, and you're trying to figure out the story as you go along. And, and in full transparency, we haven't finished yet, so I'm looking forward to seeing how the story ends, although that might be part of my discussion as well. So it's basically a game about kids playing a game, and they're getting sucked in. So not quite Jumanji. They're not like in the world, but this game keeps bringing them back. That's for sure. Yeah. And as for the mechanics, kind of the core mechanic, and I know I'm going to talk about this and probably Peter will, is uh, you have cards and you're moving around a board where these face down clue tokens are. And then you have this like flippable, God, it's really hard to explain without the visual. You have like this flippable cipher. And basically, as you collect clues from the board with this action card play, you're flipping up different, like, letters or numbers or whatever. And whenever you think you understand what, like, the solution is for whatever this clue that you've been given, you can guess it. If you're right, you win. If you're wrong, you lose. But then you can also run out of time with the action card play. So that's, like, kind of the the core game, moving around the board to discover these clues, deal with bad things, and solve these mysteries. But then, like Peter said, you also have kind of, like, this other aspect of the game where you're these kids and you're like solving some uh, puzzles and things in that and unlocking cards and like reading through this, uh, this like comic book they have that. Yeah. Uh, there's like between game puzzles too. It's not yeah. just in the game. So, I mean, I think of the game a little bit like wheel of fortune where you're like, getting letters you're not actually guessing the letters but like there would be these symbols on tiles and if you collect them then you flip open open these yeah these little panels it's a really cool uh, well we'll get to that in our our uh our uh breakdown of the game but basically you're flipping- and, and by the way if, if you want to see it in action um i did a no spoiler like i found out a way to do no spoilers whatsoever playthrough on uh the main youtube channel so if you just want to kind of like see what the heck we're talking about <laughs> that's probably the best place to go and check it out <laughs> yeah but if you, you're just flipping up these things and there are letters underneath you know so it'll say like you have four letters, then one letter, then three letters or whatever. And, you know, it'll say this letter is associated with this symbol. And you'll like if it's a W, all they'll all have the same symbol. So you kind of know where there are doubles of letters and things like that. What words start with what letters? But yeah. then it's not always letters. It's numbers and equations and crazy stuff. Like it gets it gets pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely a deduction. You're trying to solve stuff. And sometimes it's not in the right order either. Right. Like sometimes you'll just have like 50 letters and you got that 50 letters, but quite a few letters and you got to like figure out the order and unscramble the words or whatever. So there are lots of different puzzles. But uh, yeah, that, that'll get you at least an idea of what the basics are. So if this is your first time joining us, welcome. What we do here is we talk about the top five things we think you need to know about the game, starting with our number five, which is the least important, and going to our number one, which is the most important. Of course, they're all important or they wouldn't make the list at all. So Mike, you want to start us off? Absolutely. So uh, my number five, which is a mix, is uh, the content and the value. And this is a uh, One that I think is important to mention for all these kind of sort of limited to play games. So on the negative side, you've got uh, the full campaign, which is, I believe, 15 scenarios. And again, that's a mix of like 15 single sessions because you can't play it again. You already know what the solution is. And then like uh, interacting with the comic book and solving uh, puzzles in there. Now, without too many spoilers, I will just vaguely say that there might be more after that and quite a bit more. So I think the content is pretty good, but it is, again, in some ways, one-off. But here's the big thing, and I've I've actually done this with the game. Uh, The big thing that impressed me, because the puzzle of playing the board and, like, 
getting those clues uncovered and stuff is different every time and varied every time. I've been able to play with multiple groups with my one copy of the game. I know what the solution is, so I can't help them with figuring out the letters, but I can absolutely play my heart out on the actual like action puzzle part of the game. I don't have to like hide anything there. So it, it's interesting in that unlike a lot of these games, like escape room games and that kind of stuff, where really you can't do much because everything is solving a puzzle, here the like core mechanics of the game are entirely 100% replayable, and they, again, have other content that I won't get into too many details with. So uh, long story short, I think uh, compared to the price point of things like the Unlock series or uh, Exit or those kind of games or like mystery games that I think are the closest kind of corollary to this one, I think this one is a fantastic value. But it does still have that whole uh, seen that, been there, done that thing that could make it eventually not be playable anymore for you unless you trade or sell games. So it, it's a mix as kind of a warning to others, but almost a pro for me because I think the value is really good. Yeah, and I mean, even if you know the puzzles, like all these things, you'll forget them down the road. Th- there is destructibleness to it, I will say, but it, sort of yes. And I know what it is. I know you don't entirely know what it is yet, Peter. Right, but uh, yeah, because I mean, it's late in the game, so I, I do think you could mostly put it back together. My, if there's one thing that gets destroyed, and again, without any spoilers whatsoever. It's not a big deal, <laughs> is right. the most I'll say. Like, I, I would be 100% happy giving it to somebody else and being like, yeah, I already did this, whatever. Like, it's not going to... Yeah, anyway, I won't say anything else. Yeah. <laughs> but what's, what's your number five, Peter? So my number five is that comic book story. I, I'm starting to realize I actually like this form of storytelling. I haven't ever been a big graphic novel reader or anything like that. But you can get so much more out of reading a comic book than you can out of reading a story. I mean, the amount of story that we get in just a few pages of panels Mm. is, I mean, you'd have to read paragraphs and paragraphs to get the same level of detail or feeling or whatever else. I don't know. I just, I like it as a storytelling format. And the story is not the most compelling story in the world, but at the same time, I mean, it's all you need for this game. I, I think if it had too much more than that, then it would get in the way. I know we've talked about before how can story can be distracting sometimes. I mean, the extreme example is the crew, right? Where it's like there's a literally a paragraph that means absolutely nothing to gameplay or anything else. And honestly, this story doesn't really have a whole lot to do with gameplay, but there'll sometimes be a puzzle hidden in there or whatever else. Or while you're going in the comic book, you might have to solve a puzzle. And they say, if you do, go to this page. If you don't, go to this other page. They even have some like moral dilemmas and things like that that you could do while going going through the comic book and based on how you make your moral decisions, you may get a different outcome as well. So I think it's very clever. You're not going to remember the story 10 years later. Well, maybe you will. I don't know. I'm, I'm still waiting for it, it. It hooks you enough that makes you want to get to the end of the story. And I do want to see what happens in the story, which I can't even say about games like Descent, which I know people said they love the story <laughs> for. But I don't even remember what's going on in that game anymore. Right. You don't want to know if we stop the cultists and their ritual. Right. I mean, I I pretty much know the end, how that story ends. I've seen it <laughs> five million times before. This doesn't. Not just five million times in any medium, five million times from Fantasy Flight Games. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, yeah, for me, the story is done in a very good way. When you're playing, you don't even think about the story a lot of times because it doesn't have much to do with it, but it does drive the game forward and makes me want to complete the campaign, which not every story does. Yeah, and I'll 100% agree with you. And I'm coming from a different perspective because I know I like reading in games more than you do, Peter, and I have an easier time with it a lot of the time. Yep. But 
for co-op specifically, not as much solo, you know, in solo, I don't care if I have to read a page because first of all, I can skip it and nobody will bother me about it, but also I could like read it all and enjoy it. But specifically for co-op, I totally agree with you. And my number four, by the way, is also the comic book. And it's definitely a pro for me too. You know, like looking at, uh, I was trying to think of other comic books. So I guess like Marvel Champions, right? The campaigns have his little quick comic yep. book things. This one has it. Uh, Doesn't Nemesis, Sentinels? I think. Uh, Sentinels does not. It's comic themed, but they don't have any comics like except in. X-ray I think they sold they comics did. separately yeah, is yeah, what yeah. I'm thinking. But I was thinking of Nemesis also has comics to go with the kind of like solo co-op campaign. And yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, I think in a group, unless everyone is on board with a lot of reading, that can be a downer. But comics are, like you said, so efficient in how they communicate information. So yeah, just to add on, I think the comic book is charming. I like the like little addition of extra puzzles. I haven't found any of those challenging, but it's still like just kind of fun, a quick little additional thing you do. Absolutely. I think it's attractive. My kids got into it more because they were looking at the comics and like excited to see where the story went. So yeah, I, I think this is great. More comic books Less page after page after page of narrative. <laughs> well, I'm definitely down for that. And I think games have tried to do it. Games like Descent, I hate to keep picking on it here, but they had the ability because, I mean, they basically had a comic book, right? They had the, the story, the dialogue between the characters. But the difference is, instead of having like five panels that told you a lot, they had pages and pages and pages and pages of text, kind of like a like a, a video game RPG where they're just showing yeah. where the characters are just talking back and forth. If they had just used the visuals and had minimal dialogue, I think it would have gone over better for me, and I would have cared about the story more. So I would like but, but to see. What's, what's funny is that was my favorite part about the story in Descent: the characters and us like reading the voices in our group and like kind of getting into it. Right. I, I still agree with you that the comic is better, but I still think that visual aspect of the Descent app and that storyline made it better for me than oh, sure. just you know the basics of reading when a big group. Absolutely. So my number four is the legacy and unlockable elements of the game. And I say legacy, but again, you're not really destroying. You destroy one component in the entire game, as far as I know. Um, well, and destroy is even, again, I don't want to give any spoilers, yeah. but I wouldn't even call it destroying. It's not like exit where like that component does not exist anymore. Right. It is altered in a very minor way. But anyway, go ahead, Peter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so something that always drives me forward in these campaign games is being able to unlock something. And I think they do a good job of unlocking things at a good pace. So at the beginning of the game, it's very basic. Game one, you're just trying to solve this puzzle. And later on, they they mess with the puzzles and how those are done. They'll include enemies and things. I'm not going to spoil too much here. But like, you'll have to take out enemies. And they're using the same components, but they'll introduce like a little rule or two as you go along. And they'll have different enemies. So you're used to fighting enemies, but the enemies will get more complex as the game goes along as well. And what you'll have to do to overcome that puzzle of those enemies. So I just think they trickle enough out to keep the game interesting and keep it moving forward. So, I mean, I guess that's the biggest thing for me with the initiative. Everything seems to progress you forward, make you want to come back and play that next game. We haven't played in a while, and I'm jonesing to finish this thing. So I send out to Jerry and Mike. I'm like, would you guys rather play campaign games or just one-off games, you know, the latest hotness or whatever? And and we kind of, it was like a 50-50 split. But everybody was like, yeah, I, I do want to do some campaign games. But the number one campaign game that everybody wanted to go back to was The Initiative. And, you know, we got all these games. Again, we'll go back to Descent. We'll go to, uh, what was the other one by Plaid Hat Games? Oh, uh, uh, Forgotten Tales. I want to finish that one, too. Right. Familiar, oh, yeah, familiar Tales. Familiar Tales. Familiar Tales. Familiar yeah, yeah, yeah. We all wanted to play that, but it wasn't as high as this one. And, I mean, I think gameplay-wise, if you think about, like, mechanics and things like, or mechanisms, things like that, I think we would all agree that the mechanisms for Familiar Tales are way better than they are for the initiative. But just <laughs> sure. the, 
the whole package of the initiative really drove you to want to keep going with it and want to complete it. And I think the legacy and unlockable content pushes you in that direction, does a great job of it. So one of my favorite things, even though it was number four, I still think it's one of the top things I like about the game. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Uh, my number three, though, is a full-on con, and one that could be higher for a lot of people. That's the swingy luck in the, again, like the main kind of mechanical card play of the game. So you have luck in these clue tokens. Uh, sometimes the ones that'll give you the biggest pieces of the puzzle are like spread out just randomly in the worst places. Uh, sometimes you get the exact wrong token at the exact wrong time, and it really messes up your game. And the biggest thing is uh, how you lose a scenario is um, after you've gone through the deck one full time, you shuffle these time cards in randomly, and when a certain number of those have come out, then you lose, and you don't even get a chance to guess if that happens. And sometimes they're at the top, and sometimes they're at the bottom, <laughs> just to put yep. it bluntly. Now, you still go on. It's not like the end of the world if you lose something. In fact, I haven't really seen many consequences at all. And full disclosure, I don't think we have lost yet. So nope. somebody else, this might also be a con for some people, like if the difficulty is too easy. But uh, I just want to put it out there. It's only a three for me because I like other things more. But mechanically, I don't love how swinging it can go either way. Although it seems to have always swung in our favor so far. We've had a few games where it was very close, but we we have pulled it out every time. (laughs) So that's my number three. Well, yes. So I'm not going to 100% agree with you here. I, I do agree it's swingy, obviously. I mean, like if you go through the deck a whole second time almost and don't get any of those hourglass things, absolutely, you're going to have a way better chance than if they all come up at the top. But they do things to let you play with that a little bit so you can choose not to draw cards, which we didn't know the first couple times we play. You know, so you can choose not to refill your hand so there's no chance you could draw those. Or once you draw an hourglass card, which again is the trigger for losing the game, you can stop drawing cards. So you're pretty safe until you draw that first hourglass card. Then at any moment you could lose because there is a two hourglass card. But again, it hasn't happened to us yet. I'm sure that could be frustrating, But I don't know. It's like any escape room game, right? You're supposed to have 60 minutes to play it. If you keep playing, who cares? You know, like, I mean, if you really... But but imagine if you were playing on lock and it said you would have 40 to 60 minutes. And right when you were at 40 minutes, it's like, psych, you're done. You know? Sure. (laughs) uh, But yes. But but would you stop playing? Well, no. that's okay. That's a good point. And I guess in the, in the initiative, I would probably just keep on playing anyway to see. Exactly. Right. So, right. So, so I think you still have the opportunity to solve the puzzle, right? You don't have to play the game the way it is. And and we'll get into that in a minute for me. So I'll, I'll hold off on that. But bottom line is I think it's the kind of game where you're going to keep playing, even if you were to lose just to solve the puzzle, just like any of these like escape room type games. How about your number three, Peter? So mine is the components and the uh, cipher board itself. Like that thing is such a neat component. And again, go watch Mike's play of it or just go to Board Game Geek and, and look at the pictures of it. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like, you know, everything's covered up and then you flip these little plastic they're they're like on a hinge that they're co- like little plastic doors. You're like yeah. literally but it but it covers up the top space to reveal the bottom. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just flipping them up to reveal and they use it in neat, interesting ways. Usually each of them is their own letter or number or something, but sometimes they'll hide other stuff in there as well. And the solution will be at the bottom and you flip up the bottom ones to kind of see what is there. That component itself, I think is really neat. I mean, the board and the tokens and everything else are very serviceable, but that one component, it stands out so much that it's the kind of thing, if somebody walked by and looked at it, I think they'd stop in their tracks and go, what is that? 
you could have done it in other ways, but I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad this is the way they chose to do it with the flipping up the doors and all that. It, it just, it makes the game all the better for me. Yep, and my number two, big pro, is the code breaking, which is all related to what you just said. Yep. Uh, I, I I like, I mean, we're going to talk about deduction games uh, at the end of the episode, but I like the kind of code breaking aspect here. I, I guess I've been playing a lot of Wordle, which maybe primed me to like this game, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, like I, I like CNO. I've got five letters. What could it be? You know, and trying to figure it out and trying to like piece together the clues. Um, I just think it's consistently exciting, consistently fun. And like you said, Peter, kind of the toy aspect of flipping up those doors and like, oh, it's an L. Oh, it's a two. You know, and just kind of realizing. And, and later on, the, the codes really get kind of more interesting and more varied. And like Peter said, they're not in the right order or you got to do all kinds of like wacky things with them. So I, I think this is a very fun, tense, exciting aspect of the game with sort of that toy factor and that code-breaking factor combined. Now, I already like deduction and like ciphers and that kind of stuff, so I can't say if it's going to be great for everybody, but it's certainly been a hit for everyone I've played it with. So take that for what it's worth. And I would go as far as to say, if you don't like that kind of thing, then it's probably not the kind of game for you. I mean, I think the reason we like it so much is those... And we keep saying ciphers, but I mean, bottom line is it really is similar to just like fill in the blank, you know, like I got I got five different letters and sometimes you're using like code, like wheels, like you might get certain letters and then you got to figure out, oh, maybe it's a different letter. And you'll have like substitution ciphers and stuff. But yes, you're right. It's not like advanced, super code breaking or anything like that. Exactly right. So my number two is the puzzle, not the puzzles in the game, not the ciphers themselves, not the the clues themselves, but the puzzle of what you do on your turn. So we didn't talk a lot about how a turn works, because honestly, if this was the only thing in the game, I don't think it would be a great game. But the way it works is you have cards numbered, what, 1 to 12, I think they are? 1 to 13? Yeah, I think it's 1 to 12. And they're in four different suits. So sometimes the suits will matter, especially for overcoming enemies, things like that. But a lot of times they don't. And you have, like, four action cards on the table. And they'll do things like reveal two tiles anywhere. Or they are, like, pick up tiles on your space. Or move. Or one of them resets. Because you always have to play low to high. So if you have, like, a 1, you're going to play the 1 on any space and you do that action. Then the next person can't play a one there. They have to play anything higher, but maybe the next person's lowest card's a 10. So they got to put that somewhere and block up one of these spaces. Like, okay, well, what are we going to need the least? So it's a little bit of a puzzle. Uh, Again, it's not the most interesting puzzle in the world. So this is a little bit of a mix for me. My con to it is there are bad things that happen too. So each room will have a certain number of tiles. Usually it's anywhere from zero to four. A lot of times it's one to four tiles in each room. And so one of the actions is flip over two of them. But sometimes a bad thing will happen when you flip over one of those two things from far away. But sometimes if you're in the room, it's a bad thing that happens to you. And so this maybe goes to your swinginess a little bit. There's no rhyme or reason. You can't tell whether something's going to be better, whether you're in the room or out of the room when you flip it over. So they almost make it like, oh, like it's a little puzzle. Like, oh, you get lucky if you're not in the room or you get lucky. But the bottom line is it's not an interesting puzzle because there's not really anything you can do about it. I almost wish because it's way easier to just stay in your opening room and explore everything from there without moving. 
So I almost wish they did something like that would be more punishing. Like almost all the bad stuff happened when you used that specific action rather than when you went in the room and flipped over the tiles, bad things happening to you as well. And I think the worst things do happen to you because you could block up those tiles. That's like one of the actions is blocking them up. And then one of the actions is unlocking an entire card itself. So like if I play a one on that card and you had played that 10 on the other card, that would clear the 10 and every other card on that. That, so we could start that fresh again. So the only one that really needs to stay low the whole time is the like unlocking one. And then each character has their own special powers as well that kind of work along with that. And it's it's kind of neat how they do that because you have to spend two cards to do it and it can be any two cards. So if you have a bad hand of cards, it might be, you know, again, if 10's your lowest card and everything is sitting at one, two or three or whatever, you may just want to do your special action once, clear out those two cards from your hand, do your special action and move on. So I don't know. I think the puzzle is interesting. It would not be good enough as its own game. And I do think that there are some, and maybe this is where your your swinginess came in. I, I think they could have thought out that part of the game a little bit more, but I, it is an important part of the game. I mean, every time you play it, you're going to have to go through this puzzle. It's not like you can just do the ciphers. Like this, this <laughs> gameplay puzzle is definitely part of it as well. So that's why it's my number two. Yeah, and it's it's my number one. For me, it's almost a full pro. I mean, I think I called it a pro in my video review, but like it's with some minuses. I definitely like it more than you. I would play this as its own game, like if it still had the code breaking aspect attached to it, which it would have to. I mean, yes, if I was just playing cards to pick up tiles and nothing happened because of those tiles, then right. I would not play the game. <laughs> but yes, if if they cut out the comic book, if they cut out the overarching legacy aspect, if they cut out the campaign, I think I would still enjoy this core gameplay loop. Quite a bit, actually. I do agree with you. Now, I, I I think you kind of already mentioned it, but I think they do in many, many ways. And actually more and more as the campaign goes along, they do punish you for just using that reveal action and not going to places. And they do reward you. There's only like one or two negatives that hit you if you're in the same room. And it's a much more minor negative to deal with than the other stuff. Yeah, but anyway, true. that being said, I, I think the basic puzzle of playing cards and like having to go higher is interesting. The big thing that is a caveat for this is I think solo play is by far the least interesting because you have full information of like what cards are out there in your hand, obviously, because sure. it's only you. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, yeah, so I found my, uh, you know, two player was better, three player was even better. And the couple times I played four was the best. So I think uh, the higher the player count, the more interesting the card play puzzle becomes yes. just because you have limited, you can't uh, fully communicate what numbers you have. So you have to like kind of thread that needle a little bit more. But either way, yeah, I I think this was my number one because it is what you spend the vast majority of the game doing. Even if the other stuff is in some ways more exciting, this like card game puzzle is the game. And if you don't like that, it's not going to work for you, I think. And for me, it worked. Uh, it, it definitely has some imperfections, but it's not enough to go down to a mix. It was a pro for me. I, I like this. Okay. And my number one is the just the puzzle puzzles, like solving the ciphers, everything else. We've talked a lot about it. I do like that they're not just the one puzzle you're trying to solve each game that they do. Again, it just keeps you bringing back. They have these little puzzles in between games. It's like, oh, let's try to figure out this. Oh, we we broke that code. So now we're getting a decoder so we can work on this other clue that we have over here. So I just think it all works. I think the puzzles... I do still disagree with Mike on this one point. I wouldn't probably play the board game version of this. I mean, the number puzzle is kind of interesting. Like if you get stuck with just high numbers, trying to figure out how to get out of it and trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, what actions can we do? What can't we do? It's a little bit interesting, but really the puzzles are what bring me back over and over again. If it was just the board part of the game, I don't know that I would be excited to keep, to play 
as much as I have been. So, but I think it, it all works together. I mean, honestly, so kind of, I'll get into my final thoughts. I think they've been bleeding through the whole time. This whole game works together. It keeps you wanting to come back. We've talked about that over and over. The puzzles are great. I don't think if you're not a puzzly person, if you don't like, and I, I don't know, we've been playing a lot more word games lately because I always said I'm not a word game person. I think I mean, I'm not a Scrabble person because I well, and, and I'm not either, which is the funny thing. Yeah. And you're an English teacher, right? So like, there's that. I know. That's what everyone always says whenever they want to play Scrabble. I'm like, nope. Yeah. And I, but I am not, I'm more of a math person than I am a spatial person than I am a reading person. But these word puzzles have been fun for me. And surprisingly, I, I feel like I do pretty well at these and I'm not sure right. why. Like I, I, I still remember the one puzzle. I won't say which level it was or anything. Where Peter was like, "I know what it is," without flipping any letters over. Yes, it. And I was so mad about that, but it was awesome. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I joked about it. I'm like, "Oh, it's this," and we hadn't even started the game yet. And Mike's like, "Because Mike had played it before." He's like, "All right, well, let's let's start playing." And then, sure enough, by the end, I was like, "Huh." <laughs> that worked out. Yeah, I needed my poker face for that uh, play. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, you did. You were the you were the hidden trader. You did it very well, Mike. You did it very well. <laughs> so, what are your final thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, right in line with yours. Um, this is a big recommend if you have like any interest in deduction or like kind of exit escape room kind of games. And even if you play the first one, it's not that exciting. Give it a chance because it really opens up. It gets pretty interesting about th- like you know two or three scenarios in. Well, the first and one I, I should it, five or ten minutes, right? <laughs> like so. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was about to say. I, for us, I think it's been about twenty, maybe thirty, sometimes for each scenario, plus the stuff in between. So, I really think this is a great value, more so than again most games of this ilk. You're looking at like for the core campaign, like seven hours, maybe eight hours. But then again, without spoilers, there's a lot more if you like the game enough to keep playing with it. And even if you don't, it's pretty much 100% resettable, except for one minor thing. So you could sell it or trade it easily enough as long as you give them a caveat about that one thing. So, yeah, I mean, this is a full-hearted recommend if you like the kind of games that Peter and I like, if you like deduction, if you like exit room, escape room kind of things. Um, If you don't, yeah, I don't know why you're here. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know why you're here. Welcome. (laughs) But (laughs) I don't know why you're, you know, I don't know why you would want this game. But uh, if you are into those things, this is among my favorite of those experiences like i've like peter said everyone in our group has just been die hard let's play let's play let's play devoting almost entire game nights to it <laughs> you know absolutely like, like five or six in a row uh, yeah so definitely a big recommend for me because it is the kind of game that you can play quickly you could make it the beginning or end of a game night type of a game but i do yeah. find that once you start playing it does have that dorito nacho like like feeling like just one more just one more right like it'll be fine so uh, yeah I, I feel like it has that so you will probably end up making it a large part of a game night i mean i guess you could fix that by making it your last game of the night and then you definitely would only want to play one because you'd be too tired at the end yeah. of the night or whatever so big recommends for both of us on this one this was a surprise to me i i was actually when you said it was a cypher game i was like nope <laughs> like i'm out <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was for me, too. For full disclosure, uh, Asmodee contacted us, which usually doesn't happen. Like, I've tried to reach out to them and reach out to Fantasy Flight specifically and not gotten any response whatsoever. They contacted us and they were like, hey, initiative. And I was like, okay, can we get anything else from you, too? Right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was, it was, I also was like the price I was paying to get some other games I wanted to play more. But yeah, this, this is now, I think, of all the games I've gotten from them, this is the one that I like the best. So, whatever, the irony of the world, right? <laughs> exactly. So let's move on to our design discussion today, which is deduction games. Yeah. So, 
And, and I guess cooperative deduction games, maybe solo deduction games too, right? Absolutely. It was, you know, all our design discussions kind of tilt that way. So we didn't really talk about this much ahead of time. Sometimes we do talk more or less. So beside the initiative, obviously you've got the unlock games, the exit games, mm-hmm. things like that. That, I, I mean, I guess they're deduction. They're puzzle solving. Yeah. More- so so he, here's the big difference for me. And I think okay. we might even want to compart- compartmentalize the discussion into two things. Sure. There are deduction games where you are providing the clues. The two biggest examples I can think of for this are Codenames Duet. I mean, of course, in all of Codenames you have this, but specifically Codenames Duet is a fully cooperative version, you know, where you see which cards you want to turn over, but you're giving those uh, words and things to help the other player figure out what to turn over. And same thing with uh, Letter Jam, same thing with uh, So Clover. You know, those are all cooperative deduction games where you are like the creator of the content. You are the one who is coming up with something or uh, one of your favorites, Peter, uh, just one. That's uh, yep. in a way a deduction game where the clues are given by the players. By right? the way, I'm pretty sure just one and so clever are made by the same people. I did not realize that, but it makes sense. I mean, they're so close. Yeah, it's like repos or whatever, right? I think you're I, right. I guess. Yeah, no, I saw that the other day or I heard somebody else say that. I'm like, really? That was the same company? I mean, it makes sense. Those games are very close to me. Uh, we haven't covered so clever yet, but that's definitely one you said you're getting. And I realized that I'm going to be getting also because we have a family trip coming up. So I'm like, oh, no, I can't. I can't not have it on the family trip. Yeah. So those ones, I think, are very different than The Initiative, than Unlock, than like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, sort of like mystery puzzle deduction games where you're working together, but the game is providing the puzzle. I like them both, but what do you think would be your preference out of those two types, Peter? Well, it's interesting. So even the open-ended ones, I think, are more or less open-ended depending on which one it is. So games like Letter Jam, they give you a limited, I mean, you literally have to work with what is what letters are in front of you. But you create those letters, don't forget. You are giving each other words at the beginning of the game. So that is still a player-generated content aspect there, even. Sure, but they're kind of shuffled up and like you don't know which letters are going to be present at the same time. So you're, you're given limited information and you have to come up with a clue out of it. So you have to be somewhat creative. I guess I guess that's part of it. It depends, as a person, are you somebody who likes solving it or giving the clues more? If you don't like giving clues, I think those games can be harder for people who don't like that. So you're, I think, to some degree limiting your audience, although to another degree, if people really like doing that, you're limiting it the other way if you don't include that aspect in your game. Where games like The Initiative, you're not getting creative freedom. You're not having to, I mean, you're having to use your creativity to solve things, though. So I don't know. I still think it tickles a different part of the brain. I think some people like to, that are trying to be the clever one that's giving a clue that helps their fellow people and and other people just want to be clever in solving things. See, I I was going to go on that same point, Peter. I think this is like the biggest danger in these sort of player provided deduction games in that I've often found like a reticence or a fear or just an analysis paralysis in trying to figure out what clue to give. Yeah. Code names you see this to a ridiculous extent, and sometimes if you don't use that timer, which you usually, we usually don't, but sometimes without that timer it can really, uh, <laughs> really make things drag. But Letter Jam can have that to an extent too. Uh, so I think just something to think about for designers if you're doing that type of game again, where like you are providing the content and you are like making the clues. I think limiting it in some fashion is a good thing or keeping it fairly simple. I think code names, I love code names, but I do think that is almost too open-ended sometimes. It does, of course, open up the possibility of incredibly creative clues. But I think uh, letter jam, you only have, you know, what, six or seven letters. So 
in the end you can make the letters that you want or you can you can only make certain words yeah and then um and and like in just one or something like i don't know there's only so many words that are going to come to mind and you kind of have the freedom to use the most obvious words they just have that genius mechanic of penalizing you if you use the wrong ones but i, I even had some analysis paralysis in uh so clover so i think just like a warning to designers making these games think about how you can provide some sort of aids or limitations to your players. So it's not just like I can give any clue in creation because <laughs> that's going to uh, just create like a deer in headlights effect for a lot of players, I think. Well, and I think the other thing that they, all those games that we mentioned do literally a hundred percent of them, except for base code names is they all have simultaneous clue giving yes. in them. Yes, yes, Every yes. single one of them. So well, no, code names does too. Don't forget in code names do wet. You can take. You don't have to take. Turns. Well, that's what I'm talking about. All of yeah, them, yeah. but base code game code names. Yes, oh, but code, ba- sorry, base code names. Yeah, yes, yeah yes, but absolutely. every single one of those ones you mentioned, except for base code names, I, I did not clarify that. You're right, because code names duet definitely has simultaneous. That's one of the things we liked better about it. So, so clover. Everybody's writing their clues around the thing yep. at the same time. Now, look. That that doesn't mean everybody's going to finish at the same time, right? There's yes. still going to be some downtime, but think about how much more it would be if only one person was writing those at a time. Even if it took you two minutes and me five minutes, that still would be that's still only three minutes that you're sitting around waiting, where you'd have to wait five otherwise. So, sorry, just jump in. I, yeah. I just thought of one that does not do this, and as much as I like the game, it is a big knock against it, and that's how Mysterium. Yep. If you get a ghost who's taking forever to give a clue, there's literally nothing. <laughs> like zero things for the all the other players to do while they wait for the clue the ghost to decide like what they want to put down for their clue. I mean, they so, can yes, just I, I think, talk about the weather. Really, is what there well, is to do. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Who am I? I'm, I'm clearly an antisocial person. I don't want to have conversations while I'm playing. <laughs> yes. Well, it's so funny because we played the mind yesterday. I was actually over at a friend's house and we played codenames. Do oh no, we just played regular codenames. We actually played it competitively and we played the mind. And it's funny because I still do. I still sometimes will have full conversations while we're in the middle of playing that game. So there are things you can do during downtime. I think if you're in those party situations, and that's the other, I guess, thing to think about. A lot of these games we're talking about are leaning toward the party game end of things. Certainly just one. And so Clover, I would say, would be on that spectrum code names not as much because it's going to be probably smaller player count for code names duet but yeah i mean a lot of those games do lean toward can handle bigger player groups well one of the big advantages they have over something like the initiative or other things is that uh they are infinitely replayable because they do have kind of like that party game like just throw it together and you have random cards and the the iterations and the combinations are going to change every time so yeah, I mean, that, that is a big limitation of the other side of deduction where it is a set puzzle and usually it's a one-off thing. It's an experience, really, that you do and then you're done. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I think that is an interesting thing. So, and more and more I think about it, games like The Initiative and Unlock and Exit Games, I think they play better at lower player counts where I think a yes. lot of these ones that are player-driven, well... I guess they don't all play better at higher player counts, but because I think well, the, the, a, a big difference is this is something you've talked about with Deckscape, Peter, which is another like escape room game, and and you know our, our escape room games deduction not always, I guess, if you define deduction in a specific way, but whatever. Uh, something that Deckscape sometimes does better than Unlock or Exit is that there are sometimes like three puzzles to solve at the same time, or like yeah. three decks to look at at the same time, and th- that's the big I think you're right advantage that something like So Clover letter jam 
codenames to an extent, codenames to an extent, you each have your own thing that you're trying to solve and you're each giving clues all the time. So it does go back to that simultaneous nature. In Unlock, there will often be times where there's only like one thing for you to solve and maybe you have multiple cards to kind of like look at. Even at three players, some of those kind of like mystery deduction games can be really tough to keep everyone feeling involved. You know, sometimes, yes, for sometimes sure. two players is a challenge for some of them. Sometimes they're really like best as a solo experience. That'll be group dependent, of course. Like uh, groups are going to have different success kind of trading things back and forth. Some groups are going to be better at like discussing the stuff instead of just kind of like zoning in on it themselves. But yeah, I, I think that's another big knock or at least potential concern against these uh, like game created single time deduction games usually. And I just thought of another one that's similar to the Initiative and the Escape Room games, and that's Crime City. The Micro, micro oh, Macro Crime macro, City. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that one, you're looking at a picture, so it's more visual aspects of it, and so it's not breaking code words, things like that. It's more of a visual puzzle, but you're still trying to figure out what happened, and you're trying to deduce what happened in that scenario. And again, I think you're right. Those are all driven by the game itself, not player driven. So when you going back to your original question, what's my preference? I think for small player counts, my preference is to do games like the initiative games like unlock. I I think they work better in those situations and games like, I mean, Codenames Duets is like a weird one because I do think that does work fine at two players. But I, I think all the other ones we're talking about, Letter Jam, I just spaced on what all the other ones we were talking about, but any of the other ones, I think do work better. Letter Jam is just so players. true in your heart that you don't need any other ones. Oh right? my gosh. <laughs> and that is a game that, uh, yeah, who knows? So Clover, games like that. Yes, all those games I do think work better at higher player counts. So that would be my preference. Depending on the situation I'm in, I think they're better and worse. Depending well, on and I'll add on a, a similar kind of distinction. I prefer the code names, the letter jams, those kind of things with uh, wider skill levels more than things like the initiative and unlock. Yeah, because we've already identified the concern. But even with like two or three players, if one person like, you know, I've played unlocks with my son and had an awesome time. But only when we're replaying them and I already know what the solutions are and I'm kind of like acting as like the hint giver to him and like keeping him moving. He gets bored if he can't figure things out. And also I can kind of dominate the game because I like figure out a clue. And and that happens anyway, even with like our group of three, sometimes like Jerry will have a good night. You'll have a good night and you'll solve 50 percent of the puzzles all by yourself. Yeah, it definitely happens. Yeah, where somebody's on a roll that night. But that's okay. That happens in competitive games and like some nights are just people's nights. Yeah, yeah, and clearly I love those games. It's not like it's some major flaw that I you know, feel like has to be addressed. Right. But I, I can I can throw down Letter Jam and just give like my son simpler words and absolutely play that or code names because, again, I guess it all comes down to the ownership of that one piece of the puzzle. Like, I am trying to solve this aspect. I am trying to do that aspect. Yeah. And I literally cannot solve his puzzle without him because he has hidden information that I don't have. Right. You know, so I, I do um, very much appreciate how those games... You know, as long as your kid can read <laughs> to some extent, I appreciate how those are very balancing in terms of the playing field, especially for the cooperative deduction ones. And actually, uh, even for non-cooperative, uh, another deduction game that I've really enjoyed, and I-, I think you liked it okay, Peter, I forget, was The Search for Planet X yep. uh, with the app-driven deduction. And that one was nice in terms of varying skill levels, just to throw in something else entirely random. And this is something cool that you all should maybe try to do if you can for a uh, competitive deduction game. They have uh, handicapping. So one player can get way fewer clues at the start of the game than another player. When I played with my son, I gave him like 
three times as many clues and he beat the heck out of me because he already knew like half the map before the game started. But I like the, uh, the granularity of that choice, you know, and I like the option. Now that's of course much easier with an app <laughs> than it would be with other things. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's nice for these games to let, since deduction is such a very like specific skill, a lot of times it's nice for them to uh, provide options for multiple players to be engaged simultaneously, you know? And Mike makes himself sound very nice by saying there's handicapping. He didn't give us any handicap when he played Search for Planet X. He just curb stomped us, is what happened there. Did he win? I, I thought Jerry won that game, didn't he? Uh, maybe. Well, I don't know. I was the one being curb stomped. I know you lost. <laughs> I, I lost by a lot. Lost. <laughs> I lost. Like, like, at the end of the game, I still didn't know. I'm like, how do I figure this out? And as much as I like spatial deduction stuff, that game, just for whatever reason, I think if I played it again, Probably not now. If I played again now, I probably would have no idea what I was doing again. But, you know, I feel like that's the kind of game you have to play two or three times in a row to even understand what you're looking yeah, yeah. for. So, yeah, no, no, no. There was no handicapping involved. But, yes, I do what? like handicapping in games. So, yeah, that would have been nice. <laughs> when I'm curious, uh, Renegade has a new kind of version of the game that's like finding animals and you move around a map. So it's not like the whole like forced rotation thing. Instead, it's like you can search things that are close to your like character and you can drive around. So yeah, I think we might get a review copy of that one, but I'm definitely interested to try that and see. Maybe that'll be more to your taste, Peter, because maybe the spatial stuff will kind of have a better logical flow or whatever. You know? Yeah, it was a little abstract for me when I when yeah. I looked at it. Whereas, and again, I mean, it was logical, made sense. It's like, can't be within one of this, can't be within two of that. But just the big circle clock thing just threw me off a little bit. Yeah. So do we have any definitive advice, like any parting words for people who are thinking about making one of these deduction games? I guess going back to if uh, just for the like sort of code name side of things, uh, try to uh, embed simultaneity, try to embed uh, options for handicapping if you can, and try to at least for the kind of games I want to play, try to give limitations or suggestions for clues so that the sky is not the limit and you don't invite that analysis paralysis. How about you, Peter, on the uh, more like initiative unlock kind of side of things? What are your main pieces of advice? I mean, my main piece of advice for those is you have to be somebody who loves these type puzzle games. I don't think you can. I don't think. Wait, wait. Your your advice for designing it is to have an audience that loves it? No, no, no. You yourself have to love it. As the designer, you have to to be into these. You've had to play a lot of them, I would think, also. Or gone to escape rooms in your life. If you don't like that kind of stuff... Don't do it because it's popular, right? I I feel like it's the kind of thing where it it takes a certain mind to create puzzles. And 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 a lot of these deduction games are almost more puzzle than they are games sometimes. The game design elements can be off in deduction games. Like I said with the initiatives, that, that game design thing didn't quite hit for me the way it hit for you. But if the puzzles are off, I think you're going to lose everybody. And I, I think that's yeah. where your game won't be interesting. So make sure that the puzzly nature of it is something you enjoy, something that you think you can come up with good puzzles. And the gameplay can be secondary, although obviously if you put both together, that would be ideal. But if it's not the kind of thing you love, I'd say don't even look at doing something like that. Actually, that does bring up one piece more piece of advice. I'm not sure how the playtesting goes in for a lot of these puzzle games and like deduction games, but I've played certainly many of these deduction games where the logic just seems to break down entirely. And like even when I look at how the game wanted me to figure it out, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Which just says to me, hey, maybe do a bit more blind playtesting if you're able to. I know you kind of spoil the game for more people, but you got to find some core group that will do that for you because what makes sense to you 
might not make sense to somebody else. And it's not like you have to make it easy, but at least make sure that several blind playtesters can follow the same logical stream that made total sense in your mind. Well, and maybe one more thing. And we played one of them that the English wasn't their normal language, not normal language, their native language. And the clue that they gave you would not be very solvable by a native English speaker who was the audience (laughs) for the product. Because, yeah, they used words that meant something else. The Time Stories one? No, that was thinking of. I was thinking of Detective when they were talking about street number. What's the street number? Street number to me means your house number, like on the street on your street. But they meant like root number, like root whatever. Which I also remember the uh, one specific episode of Time Stories. It was the one that was based on the uh, the Manson family murders. That one had the worst localization, or some of the worst localization I've ever seen in like a professionally published game. And yeah, they were like they were calling things the wrong word, and we were like, "What are they even talking about? Like, why is there a vase in the pool?" But it didn't mean vase; it meant something else. So uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess that's another one. If you are publishing in a different language than the language that you're going to mainly be selling the game in, get better <laughs> localizers and translators. Well, just make sure it makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, you can l- totally lose somebody. That was literally. It was a lot of people said that that was like one of their favorite missions. It was like mission three. People were like, "Oh, mission yeah. three is great." But we got thrown off by the language right at the beginning of it. And we weren't the only ones. We definitely looked it up. And there were many other people that had the same problem as we did. And, like, we never went back to that game after that. Like, we never finished the the campaign. Yeah, It's not like it was going great for us before then. Or we probably would have been able to get by it. But, yeah, just simple translation issue or whatever else can definitely knock people off of your game. So, I mean, that's different than deduction. I think that's any type game can be that way. Mm -hmm. But certainly language is more important in deduction games because you're trying to give people clues. And if the clue you're giving them doesn't match what they think it means, that could definitely (laughs) be an issue. So, again, blind playtest if you can. You know, like, yes, get your family. Yes, get your friends. But at least get a couple gamers Compensate them in some way since I guess they can't really enjoy the game again. <laughs> They've already solved all the puzzles, but do what you can. Absolutely. All right, Mike. Well, it was another, uh, I don't know. This is this was a good one. I, I was very excited to get to this review. So I'm glad this is our first uh, review after episode 300. That's yeah. right. Now, l- let us know uh, what you think of the video. If, if you see no added value, <laughs> we don't need to do it. But uh, we had fun uh, seeing each other's faces, maybe. I don't know. Did you enjoy seeing my face, Peter? Oh, always, Mike. Always. <laughs> I light up your life. You, you light up. You light up my monitor. Really, my yeah, monitor is usually very dim. My shiny forehead. And my hairline. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's what it, it is. It it's right it's, it's the shiny. Oh, oh, oh! What's happening? <laughs> Wait, my face got brighter when you did that because my screen lit up. <laughs> I'm like the sun. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, thank you all. And yeah, like Mike said, let us know what you think about this. And we'll either keep doing it or this might be a one-off. You never know. <laughs> a terrible mistake that will never be repeated. <laughs> yes. And we'd love to get feedback as well. You know, if you guys have played the game we're talking about, let us know what you think about it. Or let us know your excitement level. We're not going to read every comment the way we would norm- during a normal stream. But we will certainly respond to feedback that we get if we think it's relevant and we can find a place to put it in. So, yeah. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Or day or whenever. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. 
Thanks again, and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list. You want to say hi to the world? No. I'm on the internet right now. Say hi. Hi, world. Okay, you got to go, buddy. <laughs> Daddy, there was white stuff on my foot, so I was picking him. Okay, good job. Now you can go. Bye. Love you. Also, Sorry, everybody. Also, Mommy told me not to tell you. And mommy told you not to tell me. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kids. Hey, Mike. Yes. I've deduced something. What? <laughs> that we're better not live. <laughs> <laughs>